0: I think I would be remiss to have a golf episode in our podcast without talking about the elephant in the room, which is the Live Golf Tour. (laughs) Welcome back to the Life Money You podcast, where we talk about life money and how it affects you. And I am with my lovely co-host, Bjorn Larson. I'm Peter Witzman. And Bjorn, do you know why Minnesotans are so happy because they found out that summer is going to fall on a weekend this year.
1: Oh, good one. but um. Oh. <laughs> and we had that weekend so last terrible. weekend. <laughs> it was a it great summer. It was a summer. lovely summer. Yes. <laughs> now I'm back to road construction. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and summer is fleeting a little bit here. And one of the things that we both like here, I think, is golf. And I'm just curious, have you been playing a lot of golf this summer?
1: I have actually been able to get out a little more this year. I, after a about a five or six year hiatus from golf, maybe even a little bit longer, to be honest. I was playing about once a year. I just decided I really wanted to get back into it. At the start of the pandemic, it was the one of the only things you could do out there in the summertime. So I picked it back up and fell in love with it again. And so I've been increasing my level of, sorry, increasing my number of times played, not necessarily my level of play, <laughs> I was gonna say my level of play, but it's still about the same, but it's been really fun to, to get out. And I do need to strategically fit it in, but I have been able to sneak it in in different places throughout the last couple of months here.
0: I love it. I'm glad you said that because I also enjoy golf. And for the last couple of years, I've been playing it as much as I can, which is to say I'm a trunk slammer, show up at the golf course kind of guy. I don't take lessons. I don't go out and practice particularly. And just like you, it dawned on me that I picked this up again after probably like a 10 year hiatus, because it was the only thing that you could do and be social and be outside and it was one of the first things that was blessed as an activity during the shutdown around here at least. And so I picked it back up and there was a ton of stuff about golf that has changed over the years that I totally didn't even know. I mean, this might sound a little funny, but cause I never thought we would do an episode where it would even be golf themed considering that. I did not know there were adjustable hosels in drivers when I started playing again, a couple years ago. And this thing has been around for a while and I saw it and I was like, oh, that's brilliant. When did they start doing that? And (laughs) someone was like, I don't remember playing golf without these. That was something I learned. I'm certainly gotten much more familiar with it, but like you, it was something I picked to back up and I think a lot of people did. In fact, I heard that golf hit like a record high this last yeah. year or two in terms of participation because people were going back and doing it and finding time. Well, for what's it, interesting
1: so. is if you're, if you are a golfer listening, obviously the impact of Tiger Woods. And if you think about when he was last playing and was really in contention, it was a few years ago. He's had little moments. I mean, he won the masters again, which was a huge moment, but lately he's not been in the conversation. He's been in the conversation, but he's not been in the winner's conversation in a while. And so I think a lot of people thought golf was going to kind of slowly keep dying out, just like some other sports. But yeah, with what happened, it provided a great opportunity for people to really get back into it. And now, with like you said, with the technology changes, I mean, I too was still operating in, in kind of the old mode of what things cost and what kind of technology there was and It was shocking in both good and bad ways as I got back into it here over the last couple of years.
0: So were you like me then using the clubs that I probably bought used when I bought them a decade ago? And if you were like me, maybe you upgraded to something a little more recent. So I did after playing a season, I was like, well, it's about time I get whatever is modern without necessarily being overly modern. And this is not necessarily just on clubs, but I think golf in general is an expensive sport. It's an expensive sport because of equipment the clothing that you might have to wear it can be street clothes i suppose but there are some advantages of having clothes that are more stretchy and breathable and those types of things but the equipment but then also like the greens fees having access to the places to play and if you do want to practice having a professional teach you having time on a range or in a hitting bay or a booth or something like that as you decided to get back into it how did you do it because If you're anything like me, you were probably easing into it both in terms of enthusiasm, but also maybe financially.
1: Yeah, that's a, you're right on. And I actually think some of the age old issues, I guess, or difficulties for people, barriers maybe is a better way to say it, of actually playing golf are still there. I mean, it it is, it still takes time. It is still expensive. Like you said, it probably in some ways has gotten more expensive because there's more things you can do. You can go to a range that now has a track man and track your, all your shot stats and you can buy apps or watches or range finders, all those kinds of things. So when I first was getting back into it, I, it was about two years ago. This is like my third season, I guess. So yeah, in the summer of the, of the start of the lockdown, I set a budget, to be honest. I set a monthly budget, just like I would with kind of any type of hobby. And I just ballparked what I thought was realistic. And to start, I actually did a lot of playing at a par three course. So it's actually cheaper, takes less time. It, it scratched the golf itch, if you will. And that worked. It was, I was able to get excited about golf again, but I was able to keep the time and the actual financial costs down quite a bit. While it is an expensive sport, you don't have to do it in an expensive way. Like you can choose how you do it. And there are actually even new ways to pay for golf that were never there back when I was playing a lot in high school that now exists. So I think I just had to set a realistic expectation. And the good thing is when you haven't played for a while. It's like any amount of play is way more than you were doing. And so it all feels like gravy. Like it's all exciting to get out and play. And now that I've, now that I've started to play more, I I just wanna play more. <laughs> so now it's getting harder to figure out what the right fit is on the time and the financial cost.
0: And you teased me with something there. There are other ways to pay for things. So uh, please expand, cause I, you hooked me there and I would well, love to
1: hear more. So, As far as, like, I guess when I, let's just say 10 years ago, when I was playing golf, the main kind of average person ways of paying for golf were, I mean, you could get a membership at a course, you know, that, but that wasn't forever. That doesn't work for most people. You could, you could get like a summer. I don't have one. Neither do I. You could get a summer pass at like a public course. So that brought your per, per round rate down, but you still have to play quite a bit for that to work. You could just pay your normal green fees. You could look for coupons. You could get. I think it still existed then, but there was like the in, in Minnesota of the Minnesota PGA card. I know they probably have PGA cards other places, but mm. that will give you a discount if you play with a couple of other people. So those are the ones that I was aware of. The one that's most recently been intriguing to me is a subscription service. And it's really the public country club. And so I think you maybe know about this one a little bit, but this is a, a group of courses that have agreed to allow select group of people to become a member, but it's all public courses. And so you pay a monthly subscription fee and then you can go and play at any of these courses depending on, it's a little bit dependent upon the time of the week. If it's a weekend, I think you might have to pay a little bit. If it's during the week, you don't have to pay, but you're just paying this subscription fee and the part I don't like about it is that you pay it every month and you pay it all year. And in Minnesota, <laughs> there hmm. are at least five months where you are not playing golf outside. So you're you have to factor that into your overall cost. But that I know a couple of people that have done that. I've actually applied to to be considered for that. There's actually a waiting list for it now, which just speaks oh. to the demand for golf. But I like that because you it encourages you to go out and try other courses, whereas the Minnesota PGA car, which is what I do have you you get discounts but often you have to like buy a cart and I actually like to walk so I feel like I'm paying extra when I didn't really need to but you get the greens fee for free so it just it feels like a wash more than money saved
0: no that's a great point and actually the municipal course that I played at basically the last couple years like you said I got a pass so the last couple years and this year I did not do it I'm a little bit busier but it was Monday through Friday unlimited golf for $400 for the season and six hundred dollars unlimited any day of the week now the beautiful thing about it is the years are blending together for me here but i want to say we were playing up till thanksgiving one season and that may have been last year because it was so mild and so man you really got your money's worth and especially if you have a friend and this is your thing that you do or you have family members that like to golf or take it up even my parents who are deep into retirement age took up golf recently in the last couple of years too, because it was something they could do. And I would also say that it's maybe less intimidating when I started golfing in that the way you golfed was you went out onto the course and there are so many other options now for people to ease in or experience golf. The ones I can think of are like the simulators. So we have a number of those X golf, some of those simulators around here. There's another one called WG golf, but I think for even more general consumer, even non golfers, there's top golf and if you aren't familiar with top golf i would love for you to give us a preview of what is that top golf experience like yeah
1: i mean i tell people it's the bowling alley of golf it is it's a fun so turn, it's a fun turn. outing for whole broad swath of people it's actually fun for golfers so let me just start with that if you're a golfer it's actually really fun it's a sophisticated driving range you're hitting outside. So, I mean, and it's open year round and the one in Minnesota, it's fun to go hit golf balls outside in the middle of February when you're not doing anything else outside related to golf. They have heated, heated bays. You can also, it's a point-based system on the driving range. So every shot you hit usually lands somewhere where you're getting points and so you can play different games and so that's what makes it fun because the games aren't all about just who can hit it the furthest and the straightest but it's really shorter shots or you don't even have to like hit it that well to get the ball to land in areas where you're getting points and so it's for all different skill levels the food is great I mean it's an expensive outing so I I don't do it super often but every once in a while it's a really fun thing to do with a group of people it's great for work outings but and I Plan to take a have a date night there at some point too. So to me, it is very much like a nicer bowling alley, I guess. I probably different people have different thoughts when I say bowling alley, but to me, bowling is you like there's that's also for all different skill levels, and you've got kind of the bumpers and that kind of thing if you need those. So this is very similar. They have clubs there too, so you don't have to even have clubs. You don't even have to ever have played golf because the they have special top golf golf balls that they use to track where your shot is going, and so they have even like a digital. Component like a TrackMan type thing, virtual golf kind of thing, which shows where your shot went. So, it's really fun. One hack is that at least in the Costco's that I shop at here, you can get gift cards there and get them at a reduced price. So I think for I think I can get a hundred dollar at Top Golf for seventy five here. So twenty five percent off is not a bad thing to to bring in there, and then that goes fast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I gift for yep. yourself. Absolutely. I would say you respond on the new golf world because I have talked to some people, invited them along and they said, I'm not a golfer. I've never swung a golf club. And I've said, that's just fine. Just come in. You might feel a little silly because it's harder to hit a golf ball than you might think. Even when you have everything working for you and quiet and it's not moving and you're taking small swings but i think it's a great way for people just to enjoy themselves with other people even if you're not a golfer and if you think that maybe you're interested in it it's a great way just to experience it under no pressure so that's one of the things that i really like about top, top golf it's just a it's a fun activity for people now we've talked a little bit about golf we are obviously your casual amateur golfers we are not chasing scratch or anything like that you have not told me about any efforts to try to get into the open or those types of things, but you can save those (laughs) reveals for the end. But I would like to talk about if we can people that are listening to this and they say, Hey, I see a lot of people golfing. I've heard it's a sport that people can play throughout retirement. I may be interested in it. I don't want to spend a lot of money, but the first thing I need is equipment. What are some of the options for someone who is maybe thinking about this? to get their first set of golf clubs or the equipment that they need
1: Yeah, I would go to a couple of answers for that one because obviously as you've heard so far, golf and money really are, they go together here and both both on the a lot, a lot for both, or you can do it in a smart way too, not spend a lot. So there are tons of used golf clubs out there. And if you are just getting started, Do not buy new golf clubs. There are just so many options. Talk to family or friends. See if they have any that are sitting around. They probably do. Go somewhere like Second Swing or Play It Again Sports or, I mean, sometimes garage sales, people are just offloading. And because there's both an equipment sort of skill set and then there's also like the technical skill set. You're, if you're just starting, it's going to be hard to have the technical skill set. And so you don't necessarily need to have super nice equipment. That's as you refine your game. And as you want to get better, that can have an impact, but you want to get the technical part, the actual swing mechanics down or closer is a better way to say it. Cause I don't think either you, you or me would say, we've got them, we got it down. Even after playing for a lot of years. That's true. So. Yeah. I would start there i would not overpay i think there will probably be people trying to sell like wood to fairway woods those are pretty Mm. old you can probably get something a little bit newer than that but really there's some good options if you are looking to get something a little bit newer there are stock sets or full bag sets that you can get for fairly cheap at different retailers and so that's another option you can explore this is probably actually not a bad time of the year to look into those because they're probably going to be going on sale relatively soon. And that's just another option to do something a little bit nicer if you're getting started. But I would say it's probably better to put your money into time on like a range or time with lessons to start than it would be just to go out and try to figure it all out on your own.
0: agree. And even places like Costco will sell not just a full set of clubs, which is what I was expecting as a kid. When you would go out, you'd buy clubs and it would just be the clubs and you would have to get a putter separately and a bag and all these other things. I mean, I have seen at least in my local Costco, they are selling a a set. set. So it's got the woods, the irons, the wedge, the putter, the bag. I mean, everything that you literally need to walk out on a golf course, minus say the golf balls or your golf shoes or something like that in that box, which has been an interesting way to go. And it's not that expensive. And I like watching the Rick Shields golf show on YouTube and he's tested some of these and they perform mm-hmm. basically as well as some of the high end brands. And his point, he said sometimes, how does this set cost $1,200 and this one costs $200 because they basically perform the same. And to your point, when I got back into golfing, I was using my probably 15 year old clubs at that point, And I decided to go and get newer clubs. And my game did not significantly yeah. improve just by making that switch. So I don't want to just blame the clubs. In fact, it is a testament to how good those 15-year-old clubs may have been. So absolutely. And you said even Second Swing, which I think is like a Minnesota-based reseller of golf clubs. And with so many people picking up golf in the last couple of years, I mean, there are more used clubs on the market now than ever, but you don't have to be local to Second Swing, I think, to purchase their stuff. Am I I right about that?
1: You can buy online. I know they have a a location. I think they have another location now in Arizona, but, you know, if you're not in Minnesota, Arizona, you don't, you can purchase online. And you made a good point, too, about some, how older clubs can work and I actually know some people who every time we play they go and pull those old clubs out of the back of the garage and they go and they play better than I do so it's both the technology but that usually can't overcome a bad swing and if you have a great swing the technology is not gonna for amateur golfers at least substantially improve it you can make some noticeable improvements with newer stuff I'm not saying that but if you're just trying to go out and play every once in a while you can play well with old equipment
0: yeah i totally agree with you on that and the last piece of this and this is really not the last piece that you need to get into golf fully or anything like this but i think from an amateur golf standpoint you are probably going to lose some golf balls once in a while and golf balls can be pretty expensive what are some of your ideas for being able to supply oneself with golf balls without yeah, know, breaking the bank.
1: Golf balls can get expensive. I know for a while I was yeah. on a kick of trying to pay for the premium golf ball, and I mean, they do, they are nice, they feel nice, they go far for sure, all of that. But as I read more about having the appropriate type of golf ball, Typically people with higher handicaps, they don't need the premium ball. They need, which are usually like a three or four, or even five piece golf ball. And they, that means they can spin more. You can work the ball more, all these things that most of us are not trying to do. We can work it too, but we're not trying to work the ball from that far from left to right. Cheaper <laughs> balls, because just, there's less material that goes into them. They don't have the brand clout. And so if you're wanting to buy new golf balls, I have found for myself, like two or three three-piece golf balls. If you look those up, there's a number of different brands that have great golf balls that are reasonably priced. You can also find resold or just like second swing kind of golf balls that have probably most cases hit once into a pond (laughs) and then never hit again that are in really good shape. And you just usually you buy a pack and there's probably 30 different brands of golf balls in there, but those are usually pretty inexpensive. I actually watched some videos of some people that that dive for golf balls and make a living doing that. And then you can buy those golf balls from courses down in Florida that have tons of ponds. And these guys have to be careful not to get bitten by alligators. And it's it's an intense job. So there are lots of options. And then the most fun one, I think, is when you're on the course and you're looking for your ball, (laughs) snag a few others, because there's usually a lot of golf balls hiding out on the golf course. So you can supply yourself that way. You can walk away with way more than you lost (laughs) in the round if you're smart.
0: If you lost your golf ball in the tall grass, chances are someone else did. The recycled golf balls, the ones recovered, like you said, out of the ponds, even those companies, in a lot of cases, will sort them out by brand or... The sub-brand, the model within the brand. So even if you have a preference, you like your Titleist or you like your Top Flight or Bridgestone or whatever it is, you can sometimes get exactly what you want. Now, they may be from different batches and the numbers might not match and probably won't match and they might be of varying condition. But if you have a golf ball that just really works for you, and I would say that maybe people beginning yeah. aren't going to know what that is. But if you have been golfing a while, you might just know that you like, for me, I like soft golf balls. I just don't swing it super fast. I don't like the jarring effect of a hard golf ball ringing through my club, ringing in my hand. So I use like low compression golf balls. So I like those. And so, and I don't need to have a brand new golf ball off of every tee. In fact, just like you said, I think I bought something like 30 callaway chrome sauce for ten dollars and they just came in a plastic bag in the mail which was perfect i yeah, don't need nice. the sleeves i don't need the shiny box you don't have to worry so much about losing those because the premium golf balls are something like 50 or 55 dollars yeah. a dozen that's like losing a five spot which means if i hit it into the water <laughs> i'm also going in the water after it so if you see that guy that asian guy slopping through the the mud into the water that's me so we've talked about getting into golf if you're thinking about that if you have gotten back into the game maybe you'll love the game enjoy it like we do maybe you should join us for a round of golf we haven't played golf together here but uh, maybe that will happen soon and so hopefully you can find a way to do it affordably and the last thing i would say here too i was just gonna throw this out there because i think we've talked about the equipment but a lot of people may need a refresher on what the current golf swing. You were talking about how to chip a shot these days. And what wasn't available when I started out golfing because I was born in a different day and age is the YouTube Mm -hmm. instructional videos. I mean, do you think someone could actually go from non-golfer to golfer just by watching free videos online?
1: I have a good friend who actually, I mean, he wasn't a non-golfer, but he over the last year used YouTube to teach himself to play better, and he's playing better. It's really paid off. So, I I think for sure you could, because there are all levels of videos out there, all for all levels of skill set, and you can go from not playing to playing somewhat proficiently. You just have to find a place to go practice. So, I mean, if it, the nice thing is going to the range is has gotten more expensive, but I mean, relatively compared to a golf round, it's cheaper. So you can go. I can go hit 90 balls on the golf course and pay $30, or I can pay $12 and hit 90 balls on the driving range. So that is a, a important thing to be able to do. And some people have nets in their yard, or I mean, you, you could chip around if you have a yard or a park. There are different creative options that you can pursue. I know I did get a putting mat to have at my house just to work on that, mostly for those dark winter days. <laughs> What I need to do something related to golf and I can't go outside. So there are some good options, but YouTube, you're right, has really just exploded the ability for people to learn tips and tricks and see it. And what I love is when the, the golf coach coaches someone who's like your skill level and they just, in like 30 minutes, it's like a real life home makeover. I mean, in 30 minutes, they're literally changing this person's swing for their life. And it's pretty amazing what can happen just in a small amount of time. It's not faked. but actually is just happening right there.
0: Totally agree. I have found that you can type in literally what your problem is and find sometimes an exact video. My shots always slice or I am having trouble chipping out of deep rough or whatever it is and there might be a plethora of videos that go into that specifically and you might have to sort through a bunch and you might say that's not really my problem or whatever but you might find that one that's you're like that's my eureka moment helping me and it doesn't cost you anything but you can obviously buy new clubs, buy new equipment, golf at the finest places. You can get lessons at $150 an hour from a pro working with you one-on-one. But I think for a lot of people, we're trying to figure out, and especially when you're not sure that you're going to take this up as a hobby, we're trying to figure out how to experiment, try something, experience something without breaking the bank. And golf is traditionally one of those hard ones to do. But I think in this day and age, there are more ways to get into it than ever before at a price point that is much lower be- than before. So I think it's a great time to take up the sport, assuming that you can. And that's something that you might want to do with kids or family members. And like I said, I can golf with my father. and He's deep into retirement, but it's something that we can still grab four hours, enjoy an afternoon, some nice weather, have conversations, take it easy. Take a walk. If you want to walk the course, stay in shape. I and mean, A lot of people use it for exercise. So that is all well and good. I do want to hit on a topic here i think i would be remiss to have a golf episode in our podcast without talking about the elephant in the room which is the live golf tour (laughs) however before we get into that i want to ask you bjorn about the credit union that has made all of this possible the credit union that both of you and i bank at that is bcu one of the top 100 credit unions in America and the sponsor of this podcast and the purveyor of Life Money U, the financial wellness program here. But I just wanted to ask you off the cuff here. What's your favorite thing yeah. about BC?
1: All the years that I have worked with people at BCU, banked with BCU, now I work at BCU it really has always been that I have been served so well by especially just in the banking sense I still remember the number of times I would come to a branch and I'd be greeted with my first name. I just couldn't believe that. I had never experienced that. I would never expect my my other bank to do that, to go to that level. And so I would just say, like, I really did feel like a member. I mean, I felt like I was treated as a member of a club, of an organization. Like I was being looked at as part of the group. And that's, I think, what you can expect as you work with BCU is that whether you're doing it in person or over the phone, if you're working with the same person, I mean, they're going to get to know you. And what I also love, and this is where our program comes in, is that we're thinking just beyond the transaction. We're really trying to improve your financial health. So maybe you just want to get the great savings account, great checking account, a reduction on your rate, your loan rate, but we're going to work to offer you other things like like a access to a financial coach or access to a seminar or a tool or something that is going to help you along so I love that just right off the bat you're going to get treated so well by banking here but that we're going to take the extra step to really listen to what's going on and through that relationship then hopefully there's trust that you feel as well and that I felt and then that makes me just want to do more things do more things here and utilize the free tools that are available to members how about you I couldn't
0: agree with you more in fact it would probably be something I would talk about too, but I will take the other side of it and I will talk about the technology that I love. I think one of the things that people think about when they are asked a question about credit unions is what is the technology that they have available? And in some ways, I think people are scared about going to a credit union because they're not going to have the same technological options that big banks provide. And BCU is in some ways, just like a big financial institution, because the technology that they offer to me as a consumer is second to none. And the reality is I've been able to deposit checks via the app, I've been able to check my bank accounts, do my transfers, all of that stuff, but they have a lot of other tools in there. I can go to places to get my credit score or the financial wellness tools. And then on top of that, they have spent a lot of time and effort this year to upgrade those tools As well, so they work faster than ever. In fact, you might need something as simple as your routing an account number for an account because you're filling out your direct deposit, or you are trying to connect it to another bank account or whatever it might be. And I was pleasantly surprised to find that I could find all that information right in the app. I didn't have to go to a statement or log in online and go to a secure area. It just worked. And it's one of those things where you almost don't notice it because it works so well. And you really notice it if it's not working. And so I think that's one of the big surprises for me is that you don't make those sacrifices when you come to a credit union, at least not BCU. You get all the tools that you would get anywhere else. And I think that's what, for me, makes it such an easy transition if you are used to using a big bank. So between the people and the tech, I find that it's usually an upgrade over what your experience has been.
1: As much as we want to see people and talk with them and say hi and greet them by name, I know we also have a lot of folks who have easy access to a branch and they'll just do things online because it's so easy. They can do it all. Most of what they, I mean, they can do everything they need to do online. I mean, I know I'm only using online right now, so it's pretty slick no matter how you want to approach it and the people are there in person over the phone or virtually to help.
0: Absolutely. So BCU, amazing credit union, no sacrifices. So... I would definitely suggest checking it out, whether it's for your next banking product, loan product, or you just wanna experience the smoothness of the latest technology. PC is where it's at. So to get back to the teaser that I put out there, Yarn, I know that this is not something that everyone has their head wrapped around yet, but there has been a lot of turmoil in the golf world, and a lot of it surrounds money, which is why I wanted to bring it up. But I was wondering if you could just explain what you understand the Live Golf League to be and why it is getting the news it's getting and maybe the biggest story in sports this year. It is
1: probably the biggest story in sports this year. Even people I know who I know are not golfers have asked me about it. They're like, what do you think about the Live? Because they know I play golf. So it's kind of, I mean, that just shows it's it's mainstream. So I'm not going to give the full spiel about it, but essentially there was always this thought that there could be a separate or more prestigious golf league out there. I think the hope was that the top of the top pros would come and play in this league and the purses would be bigger, the crowds would be bigger, the and they would really take care of the players. And so there's been a, this is an attempt at that. There's this Saudi backed league, that boatload of money available essentially, and they are giving these humongous sign-on bonuses, essentially, to these golfers who, I mean, in most cases have never even been close to playing for this kind of money before, both just to come over, but then the purses are way bigger and they're playing less golf. I think there's only, what, seven or eight events, something like that. They're playing 54 holes, which I think is what where live comes from, the Roman numerals. And most golf tournaments are four rounds, 72 holes. So it's less golf overall bigger prizes. And right now it's a smaller group of people competing for these prizes. So your chances of winning a ton of money are there. And so as you'd expect, then it has it started by drawing the players who weren't at the top of the PGA Tour. Be fringe players maybe used to be good and they're thinking, well, hey, I'm not going to, I'm going to be competing for 50th, Between 50th and 100th place in all these tournaments, why not take a shot at getting 50th and getting triple the paycheck or better with the Live Golf Tour? So it's been very interesting to to hear from some of the stalwarts of the game. I guess the famous people that everybody knows: Jack Nicklaus, Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, Phil Mickelson, all these players that are on both sides of this whole thing. Some saying this is good for the game, good for the fans, good for the players. Others saying this is a joke; it'll never last. and the turmoil unfortunately is what I think draws the crowd in right because it's like this exciting thing that not everybody agrees on so that's what I understand about it I don't know if I left anything out but that's the basics
0: I think you're right on it's what I understand about it too and I think the big turmoil here is that this is a challenger upstart league and it's going against the juggernaut the PGA tour which I think everyone just associates as professional golf I mean It's had such a dominant run in professional golf that even though there are some other leagues around the world, I don't know that the average person could even tell you what those are, to be honest. When you hear PGA, you think professional golfers and you have this other league that comes in. And as you mentioned, it's the money that's drawing it out. Now I bring it up because I was thinking about this recently and I was thinking it's like an analogy for a lot of people. I think... We think about people that would leave a job for a better position or for more money like the opportunity and we talked about opportunity costs and all that in many ways and i was thinking is this actually better for the golfers because now if you take say 50 people away from the pga tour and say maybe they're high level players put them in this other league doesn't that bring 50 players that might not make the cut on these other tournaments and raise them up and start helping them make more money? So even though they're not necessarily getting the live golf money, this is raising the boat for 50
1: yeah, additional players a, that maybe wouldn't get a paycheck. Made, and I, I think there is some validity to that. And yeah, you could argue that, yeah, the 50 that are moving up, like you just said, are getting 10 times the paycheck they would have gotten, or if it's all about the money. And that I think is, it's a good analogy too, like you said, about career jumping, trying to figure out when is a, a new career, a new job, and should it always be about the money? Should it be about other things? And that's, I think, a bit of what we're seeing here is that for some, they think that those jumping, it's just all about the money. It, that's the only obvious conclusion that they can come to. And so I think that's created strife because they think, gosh, what about the history of the PJ Tour? What about the longevity, the competing with for all these famous tournaments and the majors and the the all the things that kind of come with that are not just money that it feels like i think some are throwing that away but i do there is a fair case to be made for the growth of the game and this is just another aspect of growing it and i do think it's a very good point that there have always been other golf tours out there so it's interesting that this one is getting so much attention when there was already like five or six or seven different professional golf tours and they even though they weren't at the level of the PGA per se I mean there were tons of players from the European League coming over and playing them on the PGA Tour and PGA Tour players going to the the Asian Golf Tour and they were all professional players so that's always existed.
0: Canadian League. DP world tour, you got corn Ferry champions tour, LPGA, all sorts of, all sorts of events. And this one is really getting a lot of news. And I think it's some good ways. And some of the analogies I was thinking about here too, is that a lot of people were talking about moving because of the additional money. But what I've heard from a lot of the players that have moved is it's about a lifestyle change as well. It's about less golf, because when you think about maybe making the same money, let's just say it's the same money, the an opportunity to improve your lifestyle, maybe travel less, some of those things. And the reason I bring that up is because do you think that sometimes people like us as employees or people that work for a company think too much about the compensation number and not necessarily about some of the other benefits that they might get? And if you move to another company that may not have those, you might be giving up something that was a really great benefit it was hard to quantify in terms of dollars but you really enjoyed it And i think about different work week hours or flexibility telecommuting and there's all sorts of things now that workers can get that might not be reflected in the paycheck but are we overlooking some of that or do employees and workers sometimes overlook that because we're so focused on the I think you're bottom right on.
1: Line I, I 100% agree with you that there's a whole package that sort of every employee gets. And some of those are your actual package, if you will, like your comp and your health benefits and those like kind of the typical benefit package. And then there's the things you get for being a part of the organization that you're a part of that everyone gets. And those are, so, those are totally undervalued, in my opinion. They're not even considered in the same conversation because they, maybe because they don't feel as special because they're not just for you or something. I'm not quite sure, but we do kind of get fixated on that number. What do I make per hour? What do I make per year? We get so stuck on that. And you're right that as we've all now gone through this tumultuous period, the last two and a half years, I think people are leaning more now toward thinking about other things, other types of benefits, like they love having access to wellness programs and having access to a mental health coach or having access to volunteer hours that that maybe even well-being hours in some cases that are just being given to, to employees to help because it's just been a stressful last few years. So I think it's shifting in the right direction. And I think that people need to consider the complete package, the complete conversation as they're weighing different options if they're looking at different roles because you're right that you could lose something that you actually didn't really realize you like so much until you don't have it anymore and that's a that's kind of a a little bit of a picture of our financial life too that sometimes we take things for granted and then all of a sudden it's gone or we no longer have access to it anymore and we wish we would have saved for retirement right like gosh i wish i would have saved earlier i hear that all the time from people oh just wish i would have saved earlier and it's uh hindsight 2020 kind of thing where you get get older and realize, oh my gosh, I should have taken advantage of that. Just like if you're getting a benefit that you're not utilizing. So they're there to be used. They're offered for employees to use them. And so if you're not leveraging benefits, see what you have available to you. You might even have, I mean, even in today's day and age, you might even have access to some discounts for different things to save money that you didn't even know were there, but it's super easy to take advantage of.
0: We actually worked with an employer that had a lot of people that worked on an assembly line. And they actually had a program where they would do some cashing advancing of a paycheck. And it's something that when I first heard about it, I was wondering if that's just something that is listed on their benefits, or if it's something that people really use. Can you talk a little bit about what you saw with that particular employer? And was that something people were using? Is that something people needed that they enjoyed? Or was that just something that existed on a benefit sheet? And yeah, was just, I was surprised uh, at how many people were I using it.
1: it. I mean, I, I thought the same thing where it's, this is just uh we don't really talk about it, but you know, for the couple of folks who need access to something like this, we're gonna make an exception. But they talked about this. And I I think this was a really good case of an employer, like really understanding their employees and what they needed, and then creating an option for them to have. So it's really an admirable thing, to be honest, that they were doing this. And what was great about it is that they weren't just giving them paycheck advances and then just letting them continue to do that. They were then requiring them to meet with a financial coach. And they had a fee associated with that, but they could get the fee waived if they met with a financial coach. And so we actually got to meet with some of these folks and work with them. And what was neat to hear from the individuals was that they sometimes they'd come in and they'd just say, I'm just here to get rid of the fee. and But after we just asked a few more questions, they started to open up a little bit more and it for some people, it actually led to more conversations because they're like, actually, I think this would be really good for me. And so kudos to the employer, to be honest, for having both a reactive solution, but then a proactive option to get people going down the right track. And I haven't heard of a lot of employers that offer something like that. I know that BCU has an employee giving fund, so there's some funds available for employees. And I know that there are other credit unions that are starting to offer this a bit more to employees, and so it's starting to maybe catch a little more wind to be more of a common benefit, but this organization was really a a forerunner in that space, and it was neat to see how they were doing it too, because I think if if they were just not communicating it and there were only a couple people using it, then it's like, why are you even doing it? But they were having a lot of people use it and they were helping them help themselves for the future too.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you on that as well as many things we agree on. But one of the things that I really liked about that is that it was really helping people. But I almost worry that sometimes the employee might just discount it because they're so used to having it. And something like that, I think really prevented a lot of people who would probably be candidates for payday loans, some of the really high cost types of products. And when you can get some assistance like this from your employer and it doesn't cost you anything. I don't think these things had interest rates. There was, I think the processing fee that, like you said, would be waived. So it was really no cost to the employee. If you think about leaving for another employer and you're just looking at say the hourly comp and you're not thinking about some of these other things because you've never had to, you don't even know what it costs to go out and get a $500 loan within 24 hours or whatever it might be. Uh, You might end up actually being worse off. Now it's different from the live players who are probably getting some really big pay numbers, but I think What I have heard is it's not just about the pay. It's also about the lifestyle. And for people who are finding a home with their employer, they like the cadence of the work. They like being heard by their employer. The employer has put together programs that really help these people. I think it's something that you really have to think about before you just look at the compensation. And so hopefully, as we're talking about this, that. People are maybe saying, hey, this is a program, of benefit I like. Like I said, I think telecommuting right now has been a very popular one. People maybe are able to reduce their gas consumption, dry cleaning, travel, all these other things. But it can be anything from snacks provided at your office to maybe some flexible hours for the people who maybe are raising families or whatever it might be. So lots of different perks out there that I think people need to put into the picture before they make decisions just based on the conversation. The last thing I want to do here, Bjorn... And this is the part we prepped a little bit, but I haven't heard from you yet. I thought that there are a lot of people who take golf cliches and apply them to life lessons, but I think you could derive financial lessons. So I'm curious, what can we learn about our finances from golf sayings? And So you pick some and I pick some, and then maybe we can just bounce back and forth here, do a little volleying of these. But can you tell me what you picked as a golf saying uh, and how it applies to finances for us?
1: I'll start with one here. So the golf saying is short putts never go in. So the saying that I've heard is never up, never in. And so you can even, if you play golf, like never leave a birdie putt short, never up, never in. And I, what I was thinking that the financial lesson was from that is sometimes we get in the way of ourselves. Oftentimes we get in the way of ourselves. And I was thinking about this in the vein of savings, right? Like so many people, we all know that saving money is usually a pretty good thing. I mean, just blanket statement. I think everyone could to some level agree to that statement. And yet, if you've looked recently at American savings rates, they're Low again, I mean the only reason that they went up was because there was a lot of government stimulus and they I mean just i'm talking macro economics here. So how come we don't save more and it's because in a lot of re, a lot of ways, because we get in our own way, we see that money in the checking account and then we go and spend that money because it's available and so. To me, the financial lesson here is automating your savings, and that will help you to make more putts, right? You're going to actually get the job done. You're going to get it over the hurdle. And so some things that I've done, I've set up savings goals in our digital banking app. I've linked the savings goal to a specific savings account, and then I'm automating the savings in there. So I've actually gone into a couple of levels there. I'm visually seeing my progress. I've named the goal and I've actually automated the savings to make sure that it's happening like every single month. The money's going in there. And I'll be honest, I got caught last year thinking that I was gonna be making more putts and have enough money available, if you will, for a big purchase I had to make. It was actually an it was actually a payment, an insurance payment I had to make. And all of a sudden I got the bill and it was for a full year of an insurance premium and I barely had the money <laughs> to be honest. And so I realized, wow, I've got to, I really like actually have to put the money away into a separate account to make sure that it's there next year, because it's just stuff happens during the year. And so I automated it all. I got myself out of the way. And so that's uh now hitting the putt far enough. I'm actually getting it there. I'm taking myself out of the equation using technology to my advantage.
0: Yeah. Never up, never in. You're never going to have the money for right. that emergency if you never put the money away. So yeah great one. Great one. Here's one. I think a lot of people, even non-golfers will have heard of it. If you saw the movie Tin Cup, grip it and rip it. And in golf, this is basically saying that just take your driver, get a good grip on it and swing away at the ball. And it's just stop thinking about it because I think in golf, you can overthink it. You can get all these lessons about where's your weight and do you have your wrist cocked and are you keeping your eye on the ball? And so there's all, there's a million things that are going on in a golf swing and you can outthink yourself on it. And I think it's the same way in financial decision-making that to your point, if I say I want to save some money so that I have something put away in case I lose my job or we have an unexpected trip we have to take. And if I sit down and I say, first of all, I've got to go through all the budget line items and figure out what I can adjust. And then I've got to figure out what account to set up. And then like, what are the connectors and what am I going to do those transfers and how am I going to remind myself and make sure that the money's there. And I want to find something that has a good interest rate. You could probably take any financial decision and create a hundred step process to do it and never do it. And the reality is most of these things just need you to execute at the most basic level. A lot of people will say, I haven't set up my 401k yet because I'm not sure exactly what percentage of my income I can contribute to it, or I'm I'm not really sure how the match works or whatever it might be. There's a million different things. And the reality is just turn it on, do 1%. I mean, it's better to do that than to sit around and contemplate all the time or be paralyzed by the analysis on it. So that's what I liked about gripping. Yeah, stop overthinking really about good. it. Just um, do it. Just
1: overcomplicating execute. is not usually good for most things in life. So another one that I, I thought was an interesting one was minimizing the big miss. so that this is actually something I've been trying to do to be honest in my own golf game. So when I'm on a hole, it's called course management. It's basically looking at the golf hole and I'm not hitting it straight every time. So looking where, like if, if it's a tee shot, like analyze what's out there and if there's a there's a big pond hit away from the pond put it in a spot where it might be in the rough but it's not going to go in the pond it's still playable if it goes in the pond I got to take a penalty stroke so to to me then the concept of kind of protecting yourself from the big miss is insurance the importance of having kind of insurance and cushion so Basic insurance would be self-insurance of a emergency account, making sure you've got a cushion there, or just a chunk of money that you can tap if you really need it when the unexpected happens. You're minimizing a, a big mess. But even more than beyond that or bigger than that is really having the right insurance policies in place. So life insurance, health insurance, disability insurance, a lot of these things are likely provided to you through your employer. So make sure you look at those. And it's a great thing to talk with the financial coach or a financial advisor about just to get some help calculating, because it, it can be a quick decision, which can be good. But it, it, I think it's better to really calculate what you actually need. So you're not overbuying insurance either. Most people, though, underbuy. Just let's just be honest here. Most people underbuy insurance and they could use a little more coverage. But what you're doing there is you're offloading the risk, right? So if something really significant happens, like you get injured on the job and you're injured for a really long time and you can't work your normal job, you have protected yourself against the big miss of that happening. You've given yourself a chunk of income, life insurance, if something terrible happens to somebody in your family, you've protected yourself if they're a main income provider, like you're protecting yourself against the big miss. So that is a very important concept, I think, to carry over into our financial lives and would be something to, again, consult a trusted person about too, to help you navigate that. But, you know, you've got a lot of those right at your fingertips through your employer.
0: Great one. Even as someone who's gone for a while, I wasn't always really clear what that meant. So that is very helpful on a couple of levels. I agree with you. The next one I picked was play the course, not your opponent. And this is one, like you said, is one I struggle with. When I'm playing with someone and they're much better than me, I tend to want to try to play as well as I can because they're out driving me, they're hitting more anchor shots, they're out putting me. And so sometimes I just start swinging away, trying to match what they're doing and always that turns into a problem i never get better by overexerting myself i only get worse which then frustrates me even further and the reality is golf is your game i'm not playing in a tournament where it's either him or me getting some big cash prize at the end of the day my goal is to have a good time improve myself and whether i'm playing with someone or not i should just be focused on my own game and i think this is very clearly a keeping up with the joneses mentality that i think plagues so many people, right? You see someone pulling in with a new car. And what you don't see in that neighborhood is whether they paid for it in cash or they financed it over eight years you can see people taking nice vacations but you have no idea if they have mountains of debt or they are flush with cash people who are staying at home because they look like paupers but you don't know that maybe they have an incredible savings rate and money put aside for retirement we just don't know and the reality is trying to figure that out is a fool's errand in many ways the only thing we have to do is figure out are we doing what's appropriate for ourselves do i feel comfortable with my path am i on the journey and on pace to achieve what i want maybe for some people that's retirement maybe it's not maybe it's to have a nice family vacation next year or to buy a new car or to put your kids in school or to have a spouse stay home from work or whatever it might be there's limitless things but the more we continue to measure ourselves by our neighbors other people macro averages whatever it might be i think yeah, the harder it makes a, it a really for tricky us one to do like what's right said, for us
1: external the external view of somebody is it's just so hard to tell what's actually really going on it all looks great like look at how many trips are going on look at all the like look at the lifestyle but it could be just super stressful on the inside to to navigate that kind of life so good point there another one i picked was take your medicine And this is a little bit like minimizing the big miss, and I'll just be straight up honest, I struggle with this one on the golf course. When I hit a bad shot, what this means is you hit the ball out of play, and I'll tell you, most pros say what you should always do is just hit it back into play. And so that sometimes might mean literally turning sideways from where the hole is and just hitting it out back into the fairway but what most of us do is we get our gambler hat on and we go oh there's a small little 3 foot window between those two trees I can see the pin I think I can do it I think I can do it it's worth it because I'm already out of position so I've got to make up ground and then we nail the tree and then we get more out of position and then we waste another shot and we waste another and so you just you, you balloon to a large number on the hole and so there's a couple of different ways I think financially that you could neck this one and I would go with, I would just go with correcting financial mistakes that have happened in your past. So let's just go with like your credit report. It's so easy to just ignore what's happening or what did happen and just go, that's in the past. I know it's a bad mark on my credit. I'm just not gonna deal with, it. I'm not gonna face it. And the, and, the, and not even just credit, but other financial decisions, right? Like maybe you took out a huge loan for something and you now you wish, gosh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And taking your medicine means actually facing what's going on and that for most people is the biggest hurdle that they never get over and I just told you it's super hard to do it on the golf course I it's super hard to do it in life too because we don't talk about money we don't like talking about our money problems and there's some shame that comes with that and there's a lot of feelings that can come with that but I can tell you as a coach who's worked with people if you can overcome that hurdle you can talk with a trusted person doesn't have to just be a coach like me but it can be a family member a friend it just has to be somebody where you open up about that, that is massive progress. Even if you haven't done anything else, just facing what's going on and being willing to get some help with it is huge. And that can help you avoid massive mistakes or massive problems down the road. If you just think about like your credit report, if there was like a mistake that you could clear up, let's just say partially your mistake and partially like a retailer's mistake on a retail card or something, Maybe you could clear it up with the help of somebody that knows what they're doing, and you could your credit score could explode from there in a good way, right? It could become way higher. You get better loan rates, better everything down the road, but you're just not willing to face it. And so now you're going to try to navigate, and you still have to get the loan or still have to get the job or whatever, and you don't get the best rate, so you end up paying more. And so it just exponentially grows your sort of negative cost to your life or negative cost on the on the score on the whole. So it's a really tough one to live by. I'll be honest. It's very helpful to have an accountability partner, whatever, whoever that is along the journey to even remind you in the moment to do it. But it's a very important one that, that I think more people need to consider.
0: Love it. Take your medicine, own up to when you make mistakes and tackle them. I agree. That's hard one for me too. It's easy to make excuses that it wasn't my fault. So it's hard to get things fixed if you're not going to own up to it. So I agree with you. Another one I picked here is ignore the hazard. Sometimes people say don't focus on the hazard. And it gets me because we're on this tee box and there was just water in front of the tee box, maybe 20 or 30 yards. You're never going to hit into it. It doesn't matter at all. But my buddy tees up, puts the ball in the water. And I said to him, isn't it funny how just having water there just draws your eye in and it's normally never something you're going to hit. And it's because it's there, because you've thought about it, <laughs> you're drawn to it. And I teed up and I put the ball in the water as well. And we just laughed about it because I had just gotten on my soapbox about it. And it's so true that sometimes there are these things that are completely irrelevant to us. And yet we fixate on them. And when we fixate on them, we tend to maneuver there even subconsciously. And so I thought that this applies to our finance because are we sometimes a glass half empty kind of person? Maybe we're struggling financially. There have been times when I have just been stressed out of my mind about finances. When is this money coming? I've got this money supposed to be coming in, but I've got this bill that's overdue or whatever it is, right? And we just look at the reasons why it's not working. And, oh, it's because these people are late to pay or because the system is bad or I'm not getting what I deserve. And, and then it's easy to say, hey, that's just how it is. And I'm not looking for solutions because I'm focused on the problems. And so I'm wallowing in the problems. But most of the time, like you said, especially if I can get some professional help, someone that knows how to get out of this situation, instead of focusing on the solution, who are some of the people that I know that might be able to help me or what? professional resources do I have, say, through my employer's financial wellness program or my bank or my financial institution, credit union, whoever to get me out of this. Because if we're focusing on that, you're probably going to lead yourself to the solution. And yet a lot of times we just lead ourselves back into the problem. And often, <laughs> like me, repeat the problem, repeat the problem that I just pointed out to my friend.
1: Cannot make a distinction between if there's a pond there or even saying don't hit into the pond. It just hears there's a pawn no matter if you say I'm not thinking about it or like I'm trying to ignore it but it's like it fixates on that and so it's that's funny that happened but totally good analogy too of how we think about our money last one for me that I was thinking about is the more I practice the luckier I get Arnold Palmer said that one I think it's fairly self-explanatory but basically doing practicing the right things over time can make it seem like you're getting luckier in the game of golf because it's such a hard sport but You're actually just getting better because you've practiced the shots. You're not necessarily getting lucky, but there's kind of a little joke in that saying, I guess, that maybe people around you think that you're getting lucky, and in finances, most of us are not going to win the lottery. Most of us are not going to get a big inheritance. We're not gonna get a bunch of money just given to us that just solves all of our problems. I would argue you gotta have some good behaviors for that to actually solve problems. But you're not gonna you're not gonna get lucky in that way. Sometimes the most successful people financially are just the most surprising people. You you would just never guess. That person retired at the age of fifty or that person retired with that kind of money or that could live that kind of retirement lifestyle or or could pay for that car in cash. You just, you're just, you just so surprised at times, but they have just been doing a lot of good things for a long time and, pra- and practice makes perfect. So if you are just living be- below your means and then putting that money into a savings account, it's not really rocket science. It's really tough to do because we- there's so many temptations out there on keeping up with the Joneses, like you said earlier, Peter. But this is something that, again, as you look, from an outside perspective, it's like, wow, that person's so lucky. Look at what they've been able to do. And they might just be feeling like this was just basic math. Like I just saved more. I didn't spend as much and now I can do these bigger things or whatever it is, or giving away more money. I mean, because they've got so much money, they're able to just give a lot of it away. So whatever it is, there are healthy behaviors. And that's what our program is all about is teaching those healthy behaviors so that you can really go out and flourish in life. And so whether it's working with a group like us or working with somebody else, I think it's important to, to hone those things over time because it's a lifelong sport, just like golf is. Finance is a lifelong sport. Sometimes things are going to go really well for a long time, but then something will happen. And now you're back to square one on something and you've got to figure it out again. But maybe the baseline of your skill set is up a little higher now because you've done some of those things for a long period of time.
0: Yep, I love Love it. it. An overnight success that took 40 years in the making for a lot of people to get there. So that makes a ton of sense to me. I think these are all wise words, lessons that we can learn from golf, even though we got into them literally here at the end. I want to say that this whole episode was what can we learn from the game of golf? Something that you and I both enjoy, something that millions of people enjoy, something that millions of people are trying to get into. And so hopefully we gave you some good tips. One, if you actually want to get into the sport, enjoy the sport, maybe find something that you can do throughout the remainder of your life. But secondly, things to think about whether you're at your employer, things to think about beyond just the money and the compensation. And then also the little life lessons that you get on the golf course. How can they help you? become more financially successful as well. So with that, I will leave it there. And thank you for joining us on another uh, journey through the Life Money You podcast. And I want to thank Bjorn today. We'll see you next time.